0: All right, we made it to be week one. Biscuits and SEC, SEC preview right here. Um, it's absolutely, this has been an impressively long season. And before we get started, I do want the guys in Biscuits and SEC to let you know how you can see their stuff. How? You, tell them, boss man.
1: Yeah, so uh, you can see it right here. This is uh, biscuitsandsec.com. This is a one-on-one, so you can't get this shirt yet, but someday you will be able to. Uh, you can find our stuff at Biscuits and SEC uh, on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook there uh, on Instagram at that same handle. Uh, And then you can also find our stuff on biscuits We post blogs uh, and other content up there um, that you won't find on our social media pages. Uh, And then you can also find our newsletter there. You can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, We do a morning newsletter uh, during the season. It's on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during the off season. It's on Monday and Thursday uh, where we just do some kind of some quick hitters, uh, the news of the day, what's going on, injury updates, things of that nature. Um, so you can go ahead and subscribe to that uh, at biscuitsandsec.com and you'll get it uh, three days a week.
0: All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. There's a game in Atlanta, Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs are playing a neutral site game in Atlanta, Georgia against the Oregon Ducks. I don't know exactly how that works, but they call it a versus game. It's really a road game for Oregon Ducks, but Bo Nix gets another shot at Georgia. Interesting. What you got, Hammer?
2: Yeah, extremely interesting. Um, A ton of storylines here, not just Bo Nix. You've got Dan Lanning as well, obviously, who was the Georgia defensive coordinator a year ago, now head ball coach at Oregon. So a lot of familiarity there. I think um, when you think of Bo Nix, obviously he's played Georgia three times in his career. He's not going to be intimidated by the environment. Um, I think he'll actually play pretty well, um, all things considered. I know he's back in a familiar system with Kenny Dillingham now at Oregon. Um, And like I said, he's not going to be intimidated by the environment. He's played in plenty of big games like this. Um, However, you know, the way I see the game shaking out, I don't think Oregon has the horses to hang with Georgia. Like you said, it's basically going to be a home game to begin with. Um, I think... Maybe physically, Oregon can kind of match up with them on the lines. Um, I say kind of because there's there's really not many teams that can match up with Georgia on the offensive and defensive lines. Um, but I think in the end, Georgia just has too much talent. You know, they've got three deep at tight end, which is just an absurd amount of of talent that I don't think Oregon's going to be able to match up with. Um, Stetson's going to take care of the ball. He's going to take some shots when it's necessary, but. I think all all together Oregon's going to struggle to score and eventually Georgia will, will pull away as the game wears on.
1: Yeah. This one to me has all the makings of, uh, you know, folks kind of overlooking Oregon um, and and thinking that Georgia just has a lot more talent and they do have a lot more talent than Oregon. Uh, I, I see this one kind of playing out as, you know, this is going to be the first game. Georgia has a lot of new guys on the field. They lost a ton from last year. While that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent that's going to be filling those those spots that, uh, you know, went to the NFL. Uh, it's still their first game, you know, so it's one of those things where I think folks are going to be like, oh, man, it's Georgia, you know, and they got it's Bo Nix and they keep they've always beat Bo Nix and it's not going to be a problem for them. Um, and I think in the end, Georgia does win this game, but I think it's going to be, uh, as our friendly Corso has always said, closer than the experts think. Um, I think this one's close in the end, but I think Georgia pulls it out um I look Bo Nix I think is a great athlete we've seen him do some incredible things during his time at Auburn and we've seen him do uh be happy feet Bo Nix you know we've seen him do some things at Auburn that weren't so great um at the end of the day we've seen Bo Nix now for three years this will be his fourth year and I think we know what we've got with Bo Nix at the end of the day uh even if he's you know now saying quack quack instead of uh you know War Eagle so I really think this one comes down to one, Georgia having more talent. I think that that's uh, what outlasts Oregon in the end. Uh, I also do think that, you know, this being just an hour away from uh, Athens is very helpful to Georgia, whereas Oregon's got to come across the country. Um, And so, and the other thing, the last thing I'll say is that uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, he's uh, been a mainstay now uh, in Georgia football now for two years. Uh, He's got a ton of starting uh experience under his belt he's won a national championship the kid's got the moxie he's got a new haircut I mean he's got the the fade instead of the mailman you know curly do going on um so he's got a whole lot of swagger this year and I think those three things are going to be what are the difference in this game for Georgia um and I think they start off the year uh right with a win over Oregon
0: yeah and Oregon and Dan Lanning um we'll talk about them for a second um him and mario cristobal is different type players so dan letting still has to get his guys in and oregon so there could be some growing pains and headaches that come with this week one matchup right alex
1: yeah no i completely agree with you um I, i you know it's mario cristobal built a great program out there uh while he was there but he's not there anymore you know and it's always there's always some growing pains when there's a new coach that come in comes in wants to implement his system wants to implement his culture Uh, you know, wants to do all these different things. He's got a a new quarterback in Bo Nix. I know there's a bit of familiarity there with Bo Nix, but uh, still it's a new head coach uh, and he's trying to instill different things. And he's, like you said, he's got to get his players in there. Mario Cristobal left a lot there. He got a lot of talent when he was at Oregon. Um, But at the same time, Lanning has things that he wants to do to fit his own scheme. And it always takes at least two to three cycles uh, for a coach to get the players and the athletes that he wants to fit his system and his scheme. Uh, and right now, that's not happening, right? Obviously, this is the first game with Lanning. Um, so there will be some growing pains, and uh, you don't want to have those growing pains where you're going up against Kirby Smart in Georgia. And that's what it is. You got game one against them. So uh, you're going to have to go up against them, and, and Georgia, I think, is going to uh, you know take it to them, and I think that's going to be one of the reasons.
0: All right, Hank. Um, you look at this Georgia team and the recruit. They have to replace James Cook that that defense is going to get all the headlines because of how many players they put out in the league. But how big of a um, loss is James Cook to this team, and how potentially will Georgia try to bridge that gap?
2: I think he's a very big loss, mainly because of what he was able to do in the passing game. Um, you know, you look last year, Georgia, they had Brock Bowers, and they sort of had a group of receivers that were decent, but nobody really – stood out and then they had james cook who had several plays um you know where he would just run that little wheel route out of the background matched up with a linebacker and they couldn't keep up um so he he had a lot of chunk plays in the passing game last year i think um you know running the football with with kendall milton and uh uh, what's um man i just wrote this today it's uh right well so those two I have full confidence they'll be able to run the ball, you know, basically without a drop off as good as cook and and Zamir white were, I think uh, running the ball, they'll be fine. It's Georgia, right? I mean, they pretty much breed running backs down there. So we'll see what, what Munkin wants to do. I think what we could see uh, is I'll, I'll go back to the tight ends. I think if Eric Gilbert is what we've been hearing um, you know, obviously he's talented. It seems like whatever off the field issues he had, He's got under control at the moment. Um, so I think that's a guy that you could look at. Obviously, Brock Bowers is going to get his touches, but he's a he's a known commodity. So if you're looking for someone to possibly fill that gap for what James Cook was able to do, I think Eric Gilbert is a good candidate just because if you have two tight ends out there, one of them being Bowers, you know, you're probably going to have a linebacker on Eric Gilbert. And I think that's a mismatch. So um, that's that's my hunch, at least um, for who could maybe fill that void in the passing game. Um, but I'm interested to see, I mean, I don't think we've really seen, uh, in, in at least recent memory, you know, a tight end room that has guys like Gilbert Bowers and then, um, oh man, the, the Washington. Yeah. Washington. Um, so they're all a matchup nightmare. I'm just just interested to see how Munkin uses them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's go through this real quick. Alex boss, man, let me know, Something I can spec. Tell me how this game is going to go.
1: Uh, so I think it's a little bit of what I said at the outset. I think this one's gonna be close at halftime. Um, you know, I think it's the first game of the season, and you know, teams for the most part still unless you're Alabama, right when you come out and just you know wreck shop against Florida State or somebody. Uh, for the most part, teams come out a little bit sluggish in the first game. and so, uh, with Georgia bringing in all that new talent, um, they got to replace so much that they lost to the NFL last year after that national championship. Uh, I think that that, may, that means there's going to be a little bit of growing pains for Georgia uh, probably in the first half. I think you're, the same thing is going to be said for Oregon since they're breaking in uh, Dan Lanning, they're breaking in Bo Nix, um, and also breaking in a few few other players since they lost some talent as well. Uh, I think there's going to be growing pains throughout the first half. I think uh, it's going to be sluggish in the first half, and I think it's going to be close going into halftime. Uh, And then I think when you go into halftime, you're going to have Kirby Smart kind of jumping down their throats and uh, taking it to them. You know, we're going to see on YouTube in in a week, uh, whenever they put their show out, that Kirby Smart's going to be, you know, jumping down their throat and and ticked off. And then Georgia's going to come out in the second half. Uh, I expect Georgia to win this one by uh, probably two scores. I'd say 14, 10 to 14 points is what I'm looking at.
0: All right, what you got, Hammer? Yeah, pretty
2: similar. I think uh, last I saw the spread on this was somewhere around 17. Um, I think Georgia will cover. Uh, I do think, like I said, I think it'll be pretty close early on. Um, I just don't see Oregon scoring that much. You know, they uh, lost their their leading rusher to transfer. I believe Dye is now at USC. Um, So I don't really know what to expect out of their backfield. Uh, Georgia returns Jalen Carter on the D-line. Um, And then I think the rest will be new faces, but they're probably all four and five stars. So we just don't know their names yet per se, but I think they're all really talented. So I'm just not sure uh, that Oregon's going to be able to score that much. Um, And, you know, from there, I think, like I said, it's just a little bit of figuring out what Oregon's going to try to do defensively. I think they'll have a very sound plan. It's Dan Lanning. He knows Stetson. He knows Georgia. So they should have a very good plan. I think it's, again, it's just, the longer the game wears on, the more the talent will show, and they'll they'll work some mismatches, find some opportunities, and Georgia will pull away in the second half. Um, and like I said, I think they'll cover that that spread.
0: Yeah, yeah, we absolutely. Um, that was Georgia and Oregon preview. Um, we're going to go around there all the other SEC games right after this. But first, I want to find out: Are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned? What is the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. It's not only you you put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We just went through the heck of a thing talking about the Georgia and Oregon game. Now we're going to go through really quickly the rest of the games around the SEC. And if you guys want to hang around um, in segment three, we're going to talk about the college football playoff expansion. But some of these games are no line. We'll just do a brief thing. Texas A&M is hosting Sam Houston. I think Sam Houston's FBS, if I'm not mistaken. They, didn't, they moved up this year. Haynes King gets the call. What are y'all looking for from the Aggies?
1: That's it, Haynes King. Haynes King's the guy, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, also looking forward to seeing how they use the wide receivers. you got Evan Stork coming in. Um, there's kind of a glut of wide receivers for Texas A&M. Uh, and so I want to see how they use them. In, in uh, past years, Jimbo um, you know, has kind of used them sparingly. Although he's had some talent, he wants to make sure that his receivers know the offense. So I'm interested in seeing how that looks. All
0: right, yeah,
2: pretty much, pretty much same here. Not, not, my, not much more to add there. It's it, it's Sam Houston. So it should be, it should be an easy win.
0: Yeah, it's a no-line game. Um, number 23, Cincinnati, goes to the Hill in Fayetteville to play number 19, Arkansas. Should be a big game. It's a game where I think the offensive line and a 250-pound quarterback is going to give the Hogs the edge. What say you, Hank?
2: I totally agree. You know, I think you look at Cincinnati last year, incredible season. I believe they had nine players drafted, which for a group of five team is unbelievable, truly. Yeah. Um, now that means they have nine guys that uh, you know nine roles that need to be filled that were that were really talented players. Um, Arkansas lost a little bit more so on on defense um, and obviously with Traylon Burks, but I, I think overall they, they returned quite a bit. Um, you know, again they they lost a couple linebackers, but Bumper Pool's still there. Jalen Catalons in the secondary, and uh, yeah, KJ Jefferson's a super talented player. So I think Arkansas at home will be able to handle Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati going to be good. I think they'll be well coached. Uh, they'll probably win, you know, nine or 10 games, but that's, that's with a group of five schedule. So I don't think they're going to be able to go into Fayetteville and come away with a win.
1: I'd agree with that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing KJ Jefferson um, without uh, Traylon Burks. And I want to see uh, Hazelwood. I want to see Jaden Hazelwood and see what he looks like. Uh, they've t- been talking him up in spring he was uh he didn't totally live up to the hype while he was at oklahoma so let's see what he's got uh you know can he do it in the sec and i want to see that in game one um and see if you know they're they're targeting him constantly and see if he starts living up to the hype uh with cincinnati you know like hank said they lost a lot uh they lost desmond ritter who was the engine of that team last year uh luke fickle's a fantastic coach he's done a great job of recruiting at cincinnati um he's got cincinnati at a level even probably higher I would say than brian kelly and Tommy toberville had it at one time um and and he's got that ship rolling but at the same time they're not alabama they don't just reload uh you know when they lose guys so uh, i expect cincinnati to not be the same team they were, were last year they're going to be good but not as good as last year um, and i expect arkansas to take this one by a touchdown or so um, and get off to
0: a good start all right that game's at two thirty central on espn over at 3 o'clock on sec network The Troy Trojans go to the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, It's starting to report and leak around that Jackson Dart won that starting job and it's gonna take the first snap of the game. What say you guys, Alex?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you you were right last week. You've been saying it uh, all off season, you know, that that's what you've been hearing, Jackson Dart's the guy. So I'm interested in seeing what he's got. Um, Also somebody that uh, Hammer touched on last week is Zach Evans. So, you know, Zach Evans was his surprise. I'm interested to see what he looks like, um, albeit against inferior competition. Uh, however, I want to see how many touches Lane Kiffin gives him, what that, what uh, you know, what he looks like in their offense, uh, and so that, that's kind of what I'm looking out for in this game. But I expect uh, Ole Miss big.
0: Okay,
2: totally agree. Um, I'll take it a different route just to give you all something else to, to watch for. I'm interested what the Ole Miss defense looks like. You know, DJ Durkin no longer there. Um, they lost some key pieces with Sam Williams and Chance Campbell, uh, so just just interested to see what they, you know, what they're bringing out there personnel wise. Obviously, it's a not a great opponent uh, in Troy, but not a terrible one. We've seen him sneak up, uh, I believe, on LSU in the past. So, uh, you know, basically all you're going to look for is the line of scrimmage play. Ole Miss should be able to get to the quarterback. They should be able to stop the run fairly effectively. So, as long as all that uh, comes to fruition, you know, it should be a Easy win for the Rebels, and I think a good sign moving forward that, you know, okay, the defense played well against Troy um, and did what they were supposed to do, right? They just took care of business and out physical them.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't believe this, but all of those games, that is the daytime slate for SEC football, including the Oregon game, Though just those four games. Every game after this starts at least at 6 o'clock Central, and we will go at 6 o'clock Central on ESPN, number seven, Utah, going down into the Swamp and believe me, down here, this time of year, it is actually a swamp. It's going to be somewhere between 75 and 90% humidity down there. They've been turning up the heat in their IPF for Utah, and all that's going to do is make you hot. that That's the only thing that's going to happen, and that has nothing to do with humidity. What say you, Hammer?
2: You know, I've, I've been seeing a lot of Florida love as of late, um, but... You know, and of course I understand that it's in the swamp. It's going to be rocking. It's Billy Napier's first game uh, as, as the Gator head coach. I think, especially on the recruiting trail, he's, he's doing very well. I think Gator fans are excited um, to start this new chapter, but I'm, I'm going to go with Utah here. I think, um, look, I mean, Kyle Whittingham is a fantastic coach. He's been there forever. And with Utah, you know what you're going to get, right? They're physical on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, and they're not gonna beat themselves. So you're gonna have to take the game from them um, and kind of you know beat them at their own game. They're very good at getting teams to play that style of football. And I think with a quarterback like Cam Rising, who's experienced, he'll be able to go on the road uh, and, and handle handle the atmosphere. Now, I think it's gonna be a very close game and, and very close to a coin flip. I just give Utah the slight edge due to experience, familiarity with the coaching staff, um, Florida is very capable of winning, though, and if they do, I think it's on the back of Anthony Richardson. Um, we've seen flashes of what he can do. Can he put it together for a full sixty minutes? We're about to find out. Um, but he's certainly very capable of doing that, and the Gators are capable of winning. I just, when I think of a team that I trust more to, you know, handle this environment, I think I lean Utah, but but very slightly. I think it's going to be a very competitive and close game. So I'm super excited to watch it.
0: All right, boss man, um, are you? concerned at all about Anthony Richardson or are you kind of buying the hype that suddenly this offseason is starting to come up about him?
1: Uh, I'm not sold. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think this kid's a freak. Look, he he looks like Megatron, right? I mean, he's got all the physical tools necessary to be uh, a fantastic athlete, a fantastic quarterback in the SEC. Um, A lot of times it comes down to uh, if you have those tools, like what's going on up here? You know, can you grasp the offense? Can you make those quick decisions and get the ball out of your hands fast? Can you go through a progression and get to your third read and hit hit the guy coming across the middle uh, after you don't have your first and second option? So uh, now he's coming into a new offense. Uh, And so I'm interested to see what that looks like. You know, he had the chance last year to really take control of the job. He didn't really do that. Um, And now this year, he's the guy, no doubt about it. Uh, the Ohio state transfer, Jack Miller, they thought he might, they might give him uh, a run in the off season and he really didn't do much. So Anthony Richardson's the guy. Um, I'm interested to see what that looks like. Uh, I think he can be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of the sec, but I'm not sold yet. And that's what I'm really watching in this game, um, is, is what does that look like? Uh, and you know, welcome to the swamp, Billy Napier, you get number seven, Utah coming straight at you. And, uh, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but, Uh, I'm with Hank. I actually, I'm going to take Utah in this game. I like the experience. Uh, Whittingham is a fantastic coach and the experience of Cam Rising too. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country this year. Uh, And I don't think they're going to be intimidated of the, of the environment in the swamp. So uh, I think that uh, Utah wins this one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's probably by uh, three to six points, maybe two field goals is the, is the difference in this one. Um, And, but I don't think Florida fans after this, if they do lose this game should be discouraged uh, because it's like we just talked about in that first segment. There's going to be growing pains. It's a new uh, it's a new system. It's a new coach. Um, they're trying to get their things ready. They're trying to figure out how their pieces fit in their offense and uh, on their defense. Um, so we'll see. If Florida wins this one, it's a big one, and that will be a big win for Billy Napier and give him a lot of momentum going into this season and also on the recruiting trail.
0: Absolutely right. Let's move on up to the big grocery bag up in Lexington, Kentucky on ESPN+. Kentucky, only a 15-point favorite. It's dropped down a few points in this one. I think that is because maybe the um, suspension of Craig Rodriguez, maybe that's coming into effect on this one. But Kentucky gets the Miami of Ohio Redhawks to start their season. Alex. Yeah,
1: Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing for Miami of Ohio. Um, so, I you know, I don't think they have much here. I think the spread's probably right. Um uh, like I said in our in our last show in our week zero show, um, I'm not buying the Will Levis hype. I don't think that he uh, is going to be good enough without his Wandale Robinson blanket. Um, I know they've got receivers they're excited about, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. You know, prove me wrong. Uh, we'll see what he does, um, and then we'll see also, uh, you know, what their defense looks like. I know they've got a lot returning, so they're going to be experienced on that side of the ball, um, and I'm excited to see what they look like, but. Uh, I think Kentucky takes this one easy. It's not going to be a problem. What I am more interested in is week two. Uh, and do they have Chris Rodriguez back for week two? Because, uh, you know, uh, Mark Stoops was pretty coy uh, when he was talking about the suspensions. And they need Chris Rodriguez to win in week two. Um, so that's what I'm more interested in. This one's just a tune-up.
2: Yep. Totally on the same page. I think should be an easy win. Um, look, you know, if you are a Kentucky fan and and you're buying into the Will Levis hype and everything, again, I'm I'm on uh, Alex's side here. I'm not I'm not totally sold yet, but uh, this is a game that that should be a blowout. If that's the case, if if Will Levis is as advertised, and Kentucky is the second best team in the East, possibly a threat uh, to unseat Georgia, which some people ha- have thought. Uh, or said. I, again, I'm, I'm not really in that um, frame of mind myself, but if if that is what you think you're going to be this season, then you should come out and easily cover the spread and win by, you know, three, four touchdowns and, and run away with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The next two games, um, a couple of no-line games, a couple of real quick things. Elon at Vanderbilt on ESPN Plus at six o'clock Saturday.
2: Let's keep the Vandy train rolling. You know they had a big win in Week One against Hawaii, so hopefully they can do the same uh, against Elon. I mean, look, we said it last week. If you're Vanderbilt, any win is a big win. So rack them up early and often, and you know maybe you can sneak one out in an uh, in SEC play. But should be an easy win. And uh, yeah, look for Mike Wright to run all over the field again.
1: When you're building a program uh, coming into it like Vanderbilt was, where they were really at the bottom, um, you know you got to build some belief and they didn't really get a lot of that last year, but that first win against Hawaii, I mean, they whipped them. And so I think that this team is starting to believe a little bit. If you listen to some of the post game interviews uh, that they did with the Vanderbilt players, including Mike Wright, you can tell that the culture is starting to take hold that Clark Lee is trying to implement there. Uh, And that these guys are starting to believe in themselves. So you need to keep racking up those wins when you can, because the sec schedule is coming and it ain't going to be pretty again, but This week, you you should be able to get another win. Mike uh, Wright looks great. You know, he's a good athlete. He's running all over Hawaii. Well, hopefully he can do it again this week. Um, And let's keep this rolling. Like you said in our preview show, in our Week Zero show, Stephen, there's a a possibility where Vanderbilt could go into the Alabama game 3-1, and which would be pretty wild. So uh, we'll see if they can get there. Um, There's a pathway to it, uh, and I'd love to see it. So I I think they get a win this week and get get to 2-0, and and we'll see if they can get to – to three and one, because I think it's Arkansas after that, and I don't think that's a win.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a win either. Um, Mercer f- goes across the state line. I guess it could be argued that if Auburn, if you're in the camp that Auburn's actually in Georgia, they don't go across the state line. But um, TJ Finley is the quarterback for the Auburn Tigers. It's a no line, another no line game. Auburn shouldn't have any trouble. I'm expecting sixty points. Um, what say you, boss man?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't think they should have any trouble at all. However, in the past, I mean, just last year, Auburn had trouble uh, with a much lower opponent that they should have whipped. Um, this is game one of the season. usually you have some growing pains. This is one that I see, um, you know, if, if the viewers don't know, if they didn't watch last year, Hank and I are Aggies. Uh, And so we've watched Texas A&M for years play down to their opponents uh, in games like these where they had no business to. Auburn seems to do the same thing um, sometimes. So uh, this is one where I see it being close at halftime and Auburn fans are frustrated. And it's it's one where you kind of look up at the TV and you see the bottom line ticker and see the score and you're like, what is going on in Auburn? And it's like, you know, 24 to 10 or something or 20 to 10 going into halftime. Um, but then they pull away in the second half and it's not a problem. So I expect this one to be, you know, 49, 52 to 10, something like that.
2: Yeah, obviously interested to see what TJ Finley brings to the table. Um, kudos to him for winning the job after a not great performance uh, in relief of the injured Bo Nicks a year ago. So interested to see what he has. Um, I think this is an easy win, even if TJ Finley's, not what, uh, you know, camp reports are saying he is. Uh, They should be able to run the ball with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and and get out of there with a win. And look, if you're Brian Harsin, uh, you better run the score up because, you know, (laughs) you're coaching for your job. It's week one, you're coaching for your job. So like you said, they should try to hang 60 if they can. Um, Yeah, by the way,
1: way, TJ Finley, he's the one that saved him last year when Bo Dix got hurt when they were playing, I believe it was Georgia Southern who about Mm. had him on the ropes. Uh, in Jordan Harris. So, uh, T.J. Finley, he's a known FCS slayer. Uh, yeah, let's get it right. again in week one.
0: Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, it's pretty cool thing because the Auburn Boosters came at Brian Harson on the offseason. They missed, and now they are obviously coming at his defenses, the reason Brian Harson still has this job. The Boosters are clearly at work at Auburn and a story to keep an eye on as the season progresses. Um, Georgia State is actually the team T.J. Finley – uh, did his heroics against? Right. They play South Carolina Saturday in our next game on ESPN Plus at six thirty Central. South Carolina, twelve and a half point favorite. Georgia State coaches, I believe, Sean Elliott, former offensive line coach under Spurrier, at South Carolina. So, what say you? Um, let's see. I forget which one, Boss Man.
1: Uh, so I'm really interested to see what Spencer Rattler looks like. I know we just keep talking about these QBs, but, uh, you know, offenses and these teams go as the QBs go. So, uh, we're bringing in Spencer Rattler, uh, Shane Beamer had year one. It was kind of a carousel, at quarterback. He had, uh, Colonel Zebulon and in there, uh, as a graduate assistant, who they just, you know, threw in there in week one. Um, and then they kind of had a, a carousel the rest of the year. So I'm interested to see what Spencer Rattler looks like. I know that, um, South Carolina fans are also really interested to see what he looks like, uh, so I expect this one to, um, you know, be a blowout. But uh, I'm, I really want to see what what uh, Spencer Rattler has going on there.
2: Yeah, just uh, just to take this in a different direction. Obviously, I think Spencer Rattler is the primary story here. Um, I'm interested to see what South Carolina can do in the run game. You know. A year ago, that was—I mean, their whole offense was was pretty bad. Um, but really, they struggled to run the ball. You know, they had Kevin Harris, who had had a big 2020, a big big year during the COVID season, and he—I think he battled some injuries, but just never really was able to get any traction in the run game. So again, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan and you're thinking optimistically about the season, uh, you need to be able to run the ball against a, a team like Georgia State. You just do so. That's what I'm going to be looking for. Can they get chunk yardage on the ground? Because uh, Spencer Rattler and that receiving core, they're not going to be able to win SEC games if you can't run the ball. So that, that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye on.
0: All right. Over on the SEC network, I think it's the SEC primetime game. I feel bad for Utah State there. It's at 630 at night. Um, Alabama's a 41-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Um, Bryce Young and the boys. Now, they have to replace Jameson Williams. They have to replace Brian Robinson. These are these were big pieces on the team that was last year. Now this is Alabama, and there's five stars everywhere, but that's still no small feat, right? Alec or Hammer?
2: Yeah, it's no small feat. Um, you know, I guess luckily for Alabama, they they're not playing in the big kickoff game against uh, you know some power five opponent this year. They they get Utah State. Um, you know, I, I think. Alabama is just such a well-oiled machine despite having to replace all these guys. I, I, I will say, I, I think overall their receivers will probably be a little, uh, a little bit less, you know, explosive than they were a year ago, um, throughout the, the whole year, but maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. Um, I'm sure there'll be Bama fans that have plenty of guys that, you know, run four threes and, and can tell me that, uh, they'll be able to take the top off the of defense, but, um, you know, I guess if, if you're looking for something, I'm interested to see how they use Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he's obviously come in with a lot of hype, um, and he's getting a lot of hype in the passing game as well. So, you know, Brian Robinson uh, was a great running back last year. He didn't add much in, in, the, in the passing game. So interested to see what Jameer Gibbs brings to the table as far as that goes. Um, but, you know, easy win for Alabama. This is another, you know, walk in the park for, for Saban and, and the Crimson Tide.
1: Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, it's Alabama, they just reload. And uh, you know, it used to be that Nick Saban would reload through recruiting. Uh, now he reloads through recruiting and through the transfer portal. Uh, so he's got Jameer Gibbs now in the backfield. And then uh, I actually expect their wide receiving core to be better even without Jameson Williams. Uh, they got Jermaine Burton from the national champion, uh, Georgia Bulldogs. He transferred into Alabama in the off season. Uh, and they also got Harold from Louisville, uh, who's a track star. I mean, that kid can run all over the field. Um, so I, I think the receiving core is going to be fine. I think they're going to gel well, uh, you know, with Bryce Anderson. Um, so, or sorry, uh, I, I'm confusing Will Anderson and, and Bryce. <laughs> but I, I was thinking about Will before this. That would be uh, like
0: the best offensive and of defensive player in the country and be completely yeah, man, scary. That's like nightmares up in, yeah,
1: that's who you make up in NCAA football. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, right there um but no i you know i'm interested to see how that looks uh a, a, on offense um i'm also i think eli ricks is injured uh right now but if he ends up playing i'm interested to see what he looks like on the defensive side of the ball uh for alabama but uh they just reload here uh this is going to be an easy win they're going to cover the spread i, I don't think uh there will be any issue
0: all right. Mississippi state 630 central on ESPNU playing Memphis in Stark Vegas. Um, is this the year that Mike Leach finally figures out how to deal with a team that drops eight? Uh,
1: maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, I, you know, I was reading up on Mississippi state cause I'm doing our preview on biscuits and for, for Mississippi state. And, uh, I'm kind of high on the Bulldogs, man. I got to tell you, uh, I think Cowboy Will Rogers back there, that gunflinger quarterback, I think that guy's a stud. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, in, in year three of Leach's offense, I think that he's going to take a step. Um, I like what they've got. Jaden Wally coming back at wide receiver. Uh, I think this is going to be a good team and a sneaky dangerous team as well. Um, Memphis beat them last year on uh, kind of a wild game. Mm. Uh, if folks remember. Uh, So I think that Leach is going to have it out for him. He's going to be ticked about how that one ended last year. Uh, And I think that in the end, uh, Mississippi State wins this one, I think probably by uh, 10.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've got the Bulldogs uh, in this game. It's at home. And like y'all said, this is a revenge game. If if they overlooked Memphis a year ago, uh, they will not this year. I'm sure Leach has been riding them um, all fall camp about this game. I'm gonna kind of keep with a similar theme here. I think what I'm gonna look for is line play. So Mississippi State, as Alex mentioned, has a good quarterback, good skill positions. They have a dynamic offense at times uh, when it's clicking. Uh, but this is a team in Memphis that you should beat up on the line of scrimmage. They lost Charles Cross, uh, their their left tackle, to the NFL. I think he was a top ten pick, if not, he was a first rounder. Great player. So interested to see how they replace him. And I think when you look at Mississippi State last year, uh, the game that comes to mind, you know, is the Alabama game where they just got whipped on both lines of scrimmage. So if they're going to be a real contender, they need to, you know, start showing it right away. They need to handle Memphis beat them up in the trenches, and then, you know, maybe, yeah, they'll, they'll be for real.
0: All right, Hank, our last game of the weekend, LSU and Florida State. Florida State is playing, let's just call it a road game because this is another one of those games. The game's in New Orleans. It's in the Superdome. But Florida State takes on LSU Sunday at 630 Central. LSU's a three-point favorite. It's going to be on ABC. Hank, how do you, how do you see this game going?
2: Man, this is probably the biggest wild card game of the weekend, if you ask me. Uh, we don't know who LSU starting quarterback is going to be. I believe Jaden Daniels is kind of the leader in the clubhouse. Um, so interested to see what that looks like. Obviously, he brings a significant threat with his legs that we haven't seen um, at LSU in a while. Joe Burrow was uh, efficient, but that was not a focal point of the offense. Um, him running the ball, so. Interested to see how that dynamic plays out. Um, I think overall, LSU should win this game. It's in New Orleans. um, And look, we've kind of become accustomed to Florida State losing these big week one games. It just seems like a yearly tradition at this point. Um, And I think when you look at LSU overall, they're probably, uh, they should be pretty good in the trenches, especially on the D line. Uh, Their back end, their secondary might be a little bit thin, especially with Eli Ricks transferring away. But I don't think Florida State and Jordan Travis are really the team to expose that. You know, they like to run the ball, especially with the quarterback. I don't think Jordan Travis is very accurate downfield. So I think the matchup uh, lends itself well to LSU. And I, I think it'll be a close game. I don't expect LSU to come out and, you know, blow blow them out. I think both of these teams are, you know, probably somewhere in the range of Five to eight wins on the year um, is kind of what I'm thinking. So it should be fairly evenly matched. I just think overall LSU has more talent. Uh, Brian Kelly is a very good coach. Mike Norvell, I'm not so sure he's a great coach. Um, So I I would give the edge to LSU in this one. But it should be a close competitive game.
1: Yeah, well, Corn Rose Norvell. um, We'll see if he's got it. I don't know if he's got it or not. Uh, He's recruiting decently well down there at Florida State. I think – you know they have the potential to be back in probably two or three years uh but this year is not that year uh brian kelly was hired to come into lsu and be a turnaround artist uh and he has done that at every stop that he's been at uh so i i don't expect lsu to come out of the gate and be uh, the lsu of 2019 you know or uh, the national champion lsu tigers from under less miles but i do think that they're going to be much better they're going to be a lot more disciplined Already, I think very quickly, you're going to see that this team is much more disciplined under Brian Kelly than they were near the end of the Ed Orchard era. Uh, And so I think that's what the difference is. I think the difference in this one is uh, two things. I think it's one, the talent level, LSU, uh, even while uh, Ed O was there, Ed O was recruiting at a high clip because uh, mamas loved him. When Ed O walked into a room, mamas loved him. And so they wanted to send their babies to go play for Ed O at LSU. And so he did a great job of recruiting there. Um, so the, the the talent level is still very high, even with those transfers that are out of LSU. And then I think the second thing is coaching. And I think that Brian Kelly, uh, while he gets a lot of flack uh, for what happened at Notre Dame, even though you know he's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, um, Brian Kelly's a darn good coach. And I think uh, you know all these other coaches, Les Miles, Ed Orgeron, uh, Nick Saban, have won at LSU and won a national championship at LSU. Uh, I think Brian Kelly's going to be the next guy to do that. I think it's going to take him some time. Um, But I think this year is the first step, and I think this team is going to be much more disciplined. I think you'll see that against Florida State, uh, and I think that LSU uh, will end up winning this game uh, by probably a touchdown. It's going to be close, but I give them a touchdown.
0: All right, that is the week one SEC slate of games. We're going to take a real short break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about news around SEC and specifically college football as the college football playoff is about to expand. Stick around. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. You can say whatever you want to say. Just leave a five-star review. That'll help others find the show. We might not be your cup of tea, but we're probably somebody's cup of tea. So a five-star review would be much appreciated. Thank you. All right, we're here with the Hammer and Boss Man Slim, and we're going to talk a little bit about news around the SEC right now. And Specifically, there's one story tonight that's hitting. And it's weird that they dropped this on the eve of the college football season. Essentially, uh, you have the college football playoff expanding from four teams to twelve teams with six automatic bids. And my favorite part of the deal is no at-large team can get a buy. That is a cool thing for me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm fascinated to see how this works. I've been a proponent
1: uh, of expanding the playoff. I think it's helpful. I've always thought that the four-team playoff. Uh, lent itself to really only making the rich get richer, and we've pretty much seen that across uh, you know our time with the 14 playoff. It's pretty much been um, a lot of the same teams. We have had the outliers, of course, Cincinnati, Washington, um, and a few others. You know, over the course of the years, but for the most part, you're seeing Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, uh, and you know a few of the other handful at the top. Um, so. I've always wanted to see it expand. I know that folks are frustrated uh, with the regular season. That's always been college football's thing, right? The regular season is, it's a playoff game every single week. Uh, I understand that, uh, but at the same time, I really think that the playoffs are something special and people love the playoffs. When you get this 12 teams in there, sure, there's gonna be your Alabama and your Georgia who are gonna be probably the top two seeds, right? Those types, Ohio states of the world. Uh, But at the same time, you're gonna have all these teams who have a shot And who can win two or three games and get to that national championship game and on any given saturday maybe you can take down alabama it can happen it's happened before um so i'm excited to see these games where you get you know one through 12 and you get these 12 teams uh there's going to be close games we're going to see some awesome football from the the new playoff system with these 12 teams so i'm really looking forward to it
0: yeah um hank Uh, You're sitting here, last year we had the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. And it was essentially meaningless exhibitions, and players treated it that way with Kenny Pickett sitting out of the game. This playoff expansion is probably going to make it to where those games actually have meaning again. What say you?
2: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I think, you know, there's pros and cons to, to all things in life, this included, I I think there's some cons, but I I think the pros outweigh the cons. Like you said, the the bowl games have been losing their luster. This will, uh, assuming that they, you know, just, just transfer those bowl games basically to these, uh, you know, playoffs or or however they structure it. But I mean, the biggest thing to me is I think uh, I I like having more seats at the table. Uh, Like Alex said, the, the rich have continued to get richer during this playoff era. And I don't think that's, Really going to change that much? Um, I think it could change slightly, giving giving more teams, you know, possibly some recruiting ammunition that hey, we've we've made the playoff. We just need a couple game breakers to to get over the hump. But what I'm excited for the most is a uh, the the on campus uh, games and the early rounds. I think they were saying that the, the first round or two will be on campus, which should be fantastic. Um, and then, like you mentioned, kind of the structure. We actually have a little bit of structure here, where you take your your five Power Five conference champs, you take your your best or highly highest ranked Group of Five conference champ, and they're automatically in. So the conference, you know, championship still means something. Um, and then the the at large process is will, will be fairly similar to to what we have now, where it's you know a popularity contest or whatever. But at least There's a little bit more structure because as it currently stands, I mean, it's just kind of a bunch of guys sitting in a room and saying who they think the best team is. There's no real criteria. Nobody really knows what they're using to grade these teams on. Um, So I think that will will give us just a little bit more clarity. Um, And as Alex said, I mean, yeah, certainly there's going to be some blowouts. There's been blowouts in the fourteen playoffs, so that's not you know you're not uh getting rid of that in a 12 team but absolutely every every once in a while a team could could rise up and make a couple upsets i think um you know the pessimist in me says that the biggest con here is is basically giving teams like alabama uh and ohio state are the two that really come to mind almost a free pass into the playoff because again unless unless things change and they stop recruiting at the clip that they are uh, a ten and two Ohio State or a ten and two Bama, they're they're getting in in that large bit, so they're still going to be in the field. Um, but at the end of the day, look, if Bama or Ohio State is ten and two and they come in as a ten or eleven seed or whatever and win the thing, then kudos to them. They earned it, you know. Um, and sure, in the, in the old playoff system, they would not even get a chance to to make it, and so that would be the the off year. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with rewarding excellence and you know, those programs are extremely good. So they, you know, even if they have a down year their ten and they're 10-2, if they make the deal, then uh, they've got just as good a chance as anybody. So I, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it, like I said, I think the pros far outweigh the cons here and uh, it, should, it should be good, hopefully, for the overall sport.
0: All right, boss man. Thanksgiving night, 2025. Texas, Texas A&M. Winner has a chance to get in this playoff, when before, most of the time, this would be for maybe a Capital One Bowl, that level. That This game actually is going to develop some teeth, other than the rival already has it. Both of you guys are spending money like absolute mad. Eventually, it has a chance to be some of the most powerful teams in the country. So... One would think that this game could have playoff ramifications in the very near future. What say you?
1: Maybe for Texas a and I don't see that for Texas. <laughs> I see the Capital One Bowl in their future. They may be playing a spoiler like Pitt did to WVU a few years ago, except they're going to lose. Um, no, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, with all the money being thrown around, there's, there's a lot of money in Texas uh, on both sides for A&M and for Texas. Um, I cannot wait to have that game back. Um, There was so much bad blood uh, between the two schools over the last decade uh, since Ann left for the SEC. Um, And we didn't play. We didn't want to play each other. Uh, One side would, you know, accuse the other not wanting to play. The other side would then accuse the other not wanting to play. Um, Now we get to to settle it on the field. And I think, you know, folks think that maybe the, the rivalry went kind of dormant for a while since it was 10 years. I can tell you it did not and the bad blood only got deeper. And it's the same thing. If anybody watched uh, the other night, Pittsburgh and West Virginia play, that rivalry also went dormant for a decade. And that stadium at Pittsburgh, you could feel the hate Mm -hmm. oozing out of your TV screen. And it'll be the same thing when Texas and Texas A&M play. And I think you're right, that game, while it's always been a huge rivalry game. um, And there was, you know, sometimes there was implications for Texas for a big bowl game or for the Rose Bowl or for, you know, possibly national championship. Uh, A&M wasn't on that level at the time. A&M's recruiting on that level now. Uh, And there, in fact, you know, there's a lot in the state who would say that if they played on the field right now, Texas or A&M would would take it to them. Um, So that game with the hatred of the two teams Uh, on Thanksgiving night, it's going to have big implications because both of these teams um, are going to be in the hunt for big games, I think, for the next five to ten years at a minimum. Uh, It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And I can't wait to be there, whether it's in Austin or in Kyle Field and College Station. Uh, My plan is to be there. I'll buy the ticket. doesn't matter how expensive.
0: All right, Hank, one more question before I get out of here. Um, Whenever the proposed 3-6 scheduling model that the SEC was talking about going to... One of those games is going to be the Texas game. One of those games is probably going to be the LSU game for A and M. Who's the number three game for A and M? That's a good question.
2: Uh, I've seen a lot of different variations. I think personally, I would like to see the Arkansas game continued. That's obviously a historical Southwest Conference rivalry. So, um, and that's been a fun game. You know, the the past whatever decade since we joined the SEC. Um, I would like to see that game move back to campuses, um, but that would be my probably preference. Um, at the same time, I, I think you know I could easily see one of the uh, Mississippi schools, whether it's Ole Miss or Mississippi State, uh, possibly being a matchup in there. Um, I, those are kind of the three that I that I would look at, you know, in terms of preference. Um, I would prefer to play maybe Van. <laughs> so,
0: no, we we, we have dips on Vandy. We've got hundred years of
2: Andy. <laughs> yeah, So that that might be my my preference, um, but I don't think that's going to happen. So if if we're going to get a team that's a tough opponent, then then give me Arkansas. I like that game. I like uh, I like playing them. So that that would be my
1: preference. The only one other it could be would be Oklahoma because they're not going to take Oklahoma and Texas apart, and so no. I think that's where Arkansas may get bumped. Uh, is if we're in kind of that three-game rotational schedule with uh, Texas, and then it would probably be uh, LSU and then probably Oklahoma. Um, but I would like it to be Arkansas as well. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I think um, the SEC has this weird fixation with pairing A&M and Mississippi State up. So I think that that could be the one because it's just weird. It's, maybe it's just the colors and people see that. Um, but I, that's who I think your third is going to be. I think it's actually going to be Mississippi State. Anyway, Biscuits and SEC, the Hammer, Boss Man, Slim coming in here to preview the games this weekend. Thank you, guys, and um, we'll see you next week.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Stephen.